Our scripture today is from Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa, praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was pulled up to the heavens again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in this house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who was called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even, the, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Lord, we thank you for your words. We thank you that um, it's a river of life that if we let it flow into our lives will utterly transform us. We thank you that it is uh, a firm foundation that, uh, Lord, it's a bedrock that if we choose to build our life on your word and not on our own understanding, Lord, that we will be rocks, rock steady and uh, that, that our foundations, uh, our building will never move even though there are storms raging around us lord and so we we thank you for these realities these truths we thank you that we are not merely um merely banding around nice ideas or thoughts to make us warm or ways ways to get through this next week lord but what we are actually dealing with is your inspired word of god which has remained unchanged through uh, hundreds and thousands of years, Lord, and so there is nothing like it. Uh, we thank you that we get this wonderful honor of reading it, of um, engaging with it, of meditating on it, of studying it, of looking into it, and I pray as we look into your word that your word would look into us, Lord, and that uh, it would shine light um, on the dark places of our lives, and that it would, it would bring life into the light places of our lives. Uh, we thank you that you're here, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
I was uh, 16 years old when I was fired from my first ever proper job uh, at a sports shop in my hometown of Neath. And, uh, in, well, I wasn't really ever fired me. They let me go because they had enough workers and they didn't need me. So it wasn't really a firing. It was something else. However, my, I was surprised the week afterwards when I walked through the, you know, the downtown. We don't call it downtown. We call it a city center. Uh, it wasn't even a city. It was a town. So I walked through the town center of Neath, um, and I saw a sign in the shop window said, Hiring, ask inside for details. And I just kept walking and trying to imagine what it was about me that made them not want me, uh, that excluded me from being part of their sports company. Uh, Maybe it was my long hair. Most sports shop workers didn't have long hair in the the mid-90s in South Wales. They had more of the towny kind of look. Uh, Or maybe it was my stutter. Maybe it was my shyness. Maybe it was just this unsporty, sort of um, vagabond, homeless aesthetic I was working on at that moment that that they thought maybe this isn't the guy that we want selling uh, our Reeboks and our Nikes and our Pumas. Uh, So anyway, whatever the reason, I knew that I wasn't welcome and uh, probably, maybe it's not a sports shop in South Wales in the mid-90s, but all of us have felt excluded or left out at some point in our lives. We've all felt that way. And uh, Over the years, in fact, ever since the church has existed, the church has had an ongoing and an important conversation about who is in and who is out of the church. Uh, In the early church, uh, there there was this thing called the lapsi, and uh, these lapsi were, uh, were the people who, under persecution, said, I'm not actually a Christian, I'm not actually a follower of Jesus, no, I'm I never go to church, and, uh, and so they abandoned their faith because of the persecution that those in the church were going under. And then when they returned asking to be, to be re-included in the church community, the question of the day at that moment was, should we allow the lapsy, should we allow the lapsed, should we allow the apostates back into the church, are they in or are they out? We also think of racial and gender and sexual conversations throughout the years. Are they in or are they out? Can we have fellowship with these folks? In what way are we able to have that? Uh, And then we think of the theological differences nowadays. We're constantly trying to really define who is in our tribe and who is not in our tribe. What about people... um, of the other faiths, how wide do we set that net? I, I had a Muslim man uh, show up at my door um, a few months ago, and as we were chatting, he said, you know, nice and friendly, like he said, we all worship the same God. Is that true? I don't think so, but it doesn't mean that we can't be friends. The United Methodist Church in the USA right now is splitting over what love and care for the LGBTQ plus community looks like. 
And so I'm not saying that there are easy answers. And every decision has to be approached with a lot of wisdom, a lot of care, and a lot of love of people and of truth. But perhaps the question that overshadows all of these conversations can be framed like this. How wide is the doorway to the kingdom of God? How wide is the doorway to the kingdom of God? I wonder if you've ever thought, if you've ever wondered about that. How wide is the doorway that leads to the kingdom of God? And this brings us to our passage today, Acts chapter, uh, uh, Acts chapter 11. Um, the Jewish people, um, ever since the time of Abraham, had been the custodians of the faith. They looked after it. And this was God's plan, right? Is that he would create for him what's known as A peculiar people, not peculiar as in strange, but peculiar as in unique, as in special, a holy people, a people set apart for him, which is why so many of the, of the, of the customs and the rules that we read in the Old Testament are with outwardly, um, um, naming yourself as one of God's people, right? Don't wear this. Don't wear that. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Don't do this. You know, don't do that. So that you knew and everyone else knew that you were part of Yahweh's tribe, not Baal's tribe or Moloch's tribe or Ashtoreth's tribe. You were set apart and you were marked along with other things if you were a dude with circumcision. And this set-apartness was part of God's plan of, of being an Israelite. This was God's intent. But then finally, and the Bible says at just the right time, God was ready to fulfill his original promise to Abraham that through Abraham and his descendant, I preached on this a few months ago, it's not descendants, it's not seed as in plural, but it's seed through his seed, which is Jesus Christ, that all of the nations, not just the Jews, would be blessed. Meaning, faith in God now had to go beyond the confines of Judaism, this is called, this is what's known as going super cultural. Okay, it doesn't mean that your culture is super, but it means that something goes beyond your culture and uh, kind of passes over those lines that um, often separate us. Like McDonald's, you know, which started off as one store in the United States, but has now spread to 120 countries. McDonald's is super cultural. And as we look at the account of so the salvation of Cornelius and his family in Acts chapter 10 and 11, I would encourage us to resist thinking of this as a nice, as a nice story of the salvation of a family who lived in Caesarea. Okay, because this moment is the earth-shattering, culture-transcending, spirit inspired moment when faith in Jesus went from being culturally Jewish to supercultural. That moment when the Holy Spirit filled Cornelius and his family as uncircumcised Gentiles, suddenly the door blew open and everyone was welcomed to come as they are. They no longer needed to be circumcised. They did not need to go through the religious or the cultural hoops of Judaism anymore. There was no longer the need for categories like clean and unclean. They served their, they they did have a purpose, but they were no longer needed. 
meaning that Simon Peter, a good Jew, could now sit at the table with a Gentile and fellowship with that Gentile without that Gentile having to be Jewified first. No longer needed. Praise God. And so this is what uh, the blanket coming down from heaven in Acts chapter 11 verse 7 was all about. It was God, uh, when, when the Lord said to Peter in the vision, get up Peter, kill and eat. Verse 8, I, I replied, surely not Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Verse 9, the voice spoke from heaven a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Friends, faith in God had been nurtured like a baby bird in the nest of Judaism for millennia. And it, it, was, it was protected by these laws of cleanness and uncleanness. But it was never supposed to stay in the nest. It was supposed to launch out and to fly, you know, to the other trees. So one way to look at the Old Testament is like a, like a womb. Smiley-faced womb. <laughs> Creating, I, I had to spend a long time trying to find a womb that I could put up uh, here on a Sunday morning with that. So it has a smiley face. You could make a cartoon series on all about this. But one way to look, about, one, one way, one way to look at yeah, the Old Testament is like a womb. That it created the conditions in which kingdom life could happen. But then when Jesus came and died and rose again, kingdom life was conceived in that womb once again. I had to look very hard to find an appropriate conception image. This is what I found. But then in Acts chapter 2, which is what we know as, 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 the, as, um, as Pentecost, uh, kingdom life was born. But it was still limited to the household of the Jewish culture. It was not ready, you know, to cross the road yet. It, it hadn't reached that age yet. But now in Acts chapter 10 and 11, at Cornelius' house, kingdom life moves out of its Jewish home. It's all grown up and it's ready to go out into the world. So what took place in Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10 was as important as what took place in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 10 and 11 is the Pentecost for the Gentiles. If the Holy Spirit hadn't come in Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11, then I would need to be circumcised. All of the dudes here would need to be circumcised in order to follow Jesus, and we would still be following lots of the laws and the practices of the Old Testament. Pentecost wasn't enough. We needed Cornelius as well unless you're an ethnic Jew here, and then you're okay. Pentecost for you was enough. And so Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11 kind of tells us that God doesn't care about our cultural practices. Lots of these things that we see as sacrosanct and absolutely vital to quote-unquote worshiping God, he's saying, actually, it's not as important as you think. You know, God is not Wesleyan. God is not Pentecostal or Reformed. God is not... Canadian or Malaysian or American or Welsh. God is not from the Philippines. God is not black or white or brown. God is not a Christian. God is natural. 
Because as the only uncreated one, God transcends culture. In him, we live and move and have our being. He doesn't live and move and have our being in us. It's the other way around. And yet, even though God transcends culture, in his grace, he entered creation and a specific culture in the person of Jesus Christ. A brown, Jewish, male, woodworking, blue-collar rabbi. Why? So that he could bring kingdom life by fulfilling the law and the prophets through his death and resurrection. And then the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2. And then again in Cornelius' house, so that that kingdom life could now live home, or could now leave home and go international. And this whole idea of kingdom life is very important. It's why I'm using this phrase and not, not salvation, because we're talking about something larger, something grander, something far more amazing. And yet the question still remains for each and every one of us. How easy is it to enter kingdom life? And how wide is the doorway? Hence, hence the name for uh, our sermon this morning, The Surprising Dimensions of a Doorway. And when we think of people coming to Jesus Christ, we usually gravitate to one of two extremes. One extreme is to make uh, the entry requirements to kingdom life so narrow that only that, that, that we consider people that look like us and sound like us, that only they are part of God's family. And if you're one of these people who believe that the doorway is narrow, then naturally you will stand at the doorway to the kingdom with your checklist. What's your view on infant baptism? What's your view on the gifts of the Spirit? What's your view on end times? What's your view on the sovereignty of God? What's your view on women in leadership? What's your view on sanctification? And only when someone ticks off all of these things on, the li- on this list would we consider them fit to enter in the kingdom of God. And one of the questions, one of the, one of the, one of the discussions that the church is having now, like I mentioned earlier, is where does sexuality fit into this? But whatever you believe about that issue, if you as a Christian see your purpose as primarily standing at the door like a gatekeeper, it's hard to have a discussion about, say, sexual identity with someone that you don't agree with if you're standing at the doorway like a bouncer. You see, I might believe that God's good creational intent is that sex is intended for lifelong marriage between one man and one woman. But if you don't believe that, and you love Jesus, can I still have fellowship with you? Is the door to kingdom life still open to you without that situation resolved? I think at least it's worth having a conversation I think at the very least, we need to start listening to each other's story, right? So that's one extreme, is that the door is narrow. The other extreme that we can fall into as the church is the opposite, not making the entranceway too narrow, but, make, but instead making the entranceway to kingdom life so wide that there is no longer any door frame. That m- Muslim man who showed up at my door a few months ago and said, well, we all worship the same God. Really, is Allah 
the same as Yahweh? You see, I don't think it's particularly honoring to either the Muslim faith or to faith in Jesus to try to boil everything down to the lowest common denominator of quote-unquote spirituality. Would I be happy if someone walked up to me and said, hey, my wife and your wife, they're the same person. Well, because they're human and they're women, so it's, you know, it's the same. Okay, but your wife's name is Sarah, and my wife's name is Wendy, and they live in different houses, and they like different music, and they do different things, and one is my wife, and the other one isn't, so I know the difference between my wife and another person's wife. I, I don't think I'd be too chuffed if you tried to tell me that you're married to the same woman that I am. I might be offended, or rather disturbed, <laughs> And in the same way, I think that we need to get away from this crazy idea in our society that simply because you believe in a higher being and I believe in a higher being, that somehow those higher beings are the same. We can sometimes make the entrance way so wide that it becomes confusing and meaningless. And as you can see, it's absurd. We, we can't all be right. And to say we are all in is nonsense. Well, you're in, but I don't want to be in. I have no interest in following Jesus. I follow this worldview. Okay, but it's okay because you don't need to follow Jesus. or you, know, you don't need to know Jesus personally to follow Yahweh. You can worship Allah because really Allah is Yahweh. Or you can read, read the Book of Mormon you know, or the Quran, or the Bhagavad Gita, or the teachings of, of Confucius. But really, if you boil it all down, if you trace it back to its origins, it's all about Yahweh. But that's a pretty messed up way to look at life. Does this mean that God, that Yahweh, is pretending? Is he like a villain in Scooby-Doo, that, that he's pretending to be someone that he's not until someone unmasks him? And if he does that, does, then how can he be a good God, a trustworthy God. So offering zero specifics to a person who's longing for truth is not offering them hope. It's like trying to throw a drowning person made of sand. Well-meaning, but utterly useless. Which is why this passage in Acts chapter 11 is so important because through it we learn that the entrance way to, the, to kingdom life is wider than any of us could possibly imagine. It transcends every boundary, but it's also narrower than some of us would like because it's only through Jesus. There is a gospel and there is a truth that we are called to place our trust in. You know, listen to what Simon Peter says to Cornelius about the specifics of the gospel. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. All of the prophets testify about him, Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The entrance way to the kingdom life is wider than any one culture. Everyone who believes... But you need to walk through a doorway, through his name. And when we try to fling open the gate so wide that everyone is, is in regardless of whether they like it or not, we're doing something that's not only unbiblical or unchristian, 
But worst of all, it's un-Canadian. Okay, we're forcing people to identify as someone that they're not. Ha, you thought you were a Muslim? Actually, no, because Allah is God. So you're, in fact, a Jesus follower without even knowing it. Do we really think that God is in the business of bait and switch? Let's read uh, Peter's words in Acts chapter 11. So, so Acts chapter 10, it's, a, it's really interesting, but Acts chapter 10 is the account, and then Acts chapter 11 is Peter telling the story about the account. So it's pretty much the same thing in, in both. But in Acts chapter 11, verse 11, uh, this is Peter reflecting on the moment that he met Cornelius. He says this, Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which all of your household, through which you and all your household will be saved. Okay, so if the, if the doorway to kingdom life was open to everyone, regardless of belief, then let's imagine what might have gone down in that scenario when Peter met Cornelius. Okay, so first Peter w- would have gone to Cornelius' house, and then he would have said, uh, like he did in Acts chapter 10, verse uh, 28, you are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me uh, that I should not call anyone impure and unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? And then verse 30 would also carry on as it's written. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 30, Cornelius answered three days ago. I was in my house praying at, the, at, at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts, gifts to the poor. Sent to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Having read what we just read, if the door to kingdom life was open to anyone regardless of their belief, then Peter would have probably said something like this. He'd have said, hold on, so you're telling me, Cornelius, that you pray to God regularly, that you give, you give gifts to the poor, and an angel appeared to you? Well, clearly you know God. You don't need anything else. I can tell that you're already in, Cornelius, you and all of your family. So don't worry about it. God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. And that's all that you need for me to tell you. And then Peter leaves um, Caesarea and he goes back to Joppa, having gotten in his 40,000 steps for the day. Okay, most of us would have taken Cornelius's faith and assumed that he was saved. But that's not what happened. You see, God still had a message for Cornelius, something beyond what he already knew, beyond praying regularly and giving to the poor and even seeing an angel. And what was this message? Okay, as I explain to you this message, I want you to imagine 
a doorframe in your mind, and every specific that Peter mentions, I want you to picture that doorframe getting more and more solid, more defined. So Acts chapter 10, verse 34, okay, in in your mind, it's a doorframe at the moment. It looks rather ghostly, rather wispy. But with each specific, imagine that doorframe getting more and more solid. Then, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Friends, as, 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 as we're listening to this message that, that Cornelius was waiting to hear from the mouth of God himself through Simon Peter about how to be saved... Were there any specifics that Peter mentioned? Of course, there was tons of them. Tons of them. So does the doorway into kingdom life have specific dimensions or a size? And the answer is a clear and resounding yes. It is true that the gateway to kingdom life in Jesus is wider than culture and geography and whatever our political view is, but it does not open one inch wider than Jesus, wider than truth. Jesus himself said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so I believe that we are at our most respectful as followers of Jesus in the context of this wonderful country when we love and eat and commune with people who have wildly different worldviews from us and we offer them Jesus. And when Cornelius is offered Jesus, he accepts and we experience Pentecost part two. Acts 11.15, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord has said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Friends, when we unbiblically narrow the gates to kingdom life, we are standing in God's way. And when we pretend that there is no gate, that there isn't any doorway, we are standing in God's way. And this morning, 
Maybe God is asking you to stop standing in his way so that he can bring people into the kingdom. Friends, as disciples of Jesus, your job is not to keep people out. We are not to be standing at the doorway with a checklist and a frown on our face. God does not need us to protect his truth as if he were frail and weak. Jesus himself said in in Matthew 16, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of of, of Hades will not overcome it. We are not the bouncers to God's kingdom trying to keep people out. Instead, we are to be the doormen and the doorwomen to God's kingdom, the door boys and the door girls to God's kingdom. We open the door for them and we invite them in. Simon Peter was the doorman for Cornelius. And just like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, God is working in people's lives right now. People around you, people maybe that you know or you love or maybe people that you've never even met. People who are waiting for someone to show them where the doorway is and to hold the door open for them, to maybe start a conversation with them, to maybe make the introduction, to invite them into kingdom life through Jesus Christ. Last week, I held the kingdom door open for a young man as we sat in my rusty old Honda Civic outside the pharmacy in Richmond. As we were sat in the car, I asked him, I said, has anyone ever told you the message of the Bible, what it's all about? And he said, no. I said, would you mind if I explained it to you? And so with his yes, I I then told him about the the reality of sin and Jesus and the cross. It, It took me five minutes. It wasn't a perfect presentation. I'd probably change a few things if I got, you know, to redo it. And then I said to him, look, you don't have to if you don't want to. You know, I I wanted to give him an out. But I want to ask you whether you would like to start following Jesus this morning. And then I shared with him one of my favorite um, uh, mind pictures when, when sharing the gospel. I said to him, look, I'm just a beggar showing another beggar where he found bread. That's all I'm doing. And this young man said, okay, I'm ready. And then I said, look, you really don't have to. You know, I don't want you to feel that you have to. And then he told me again that he was ready. And I got to introduce him to Jesus in that rusty old car outside the pharmacy in Richmond. And I trust that he walked through the doorway. And I trust that he encountered Jesus Because the good news, and it is the good news, is that there is a doorway to kingdom life. And yes, the Bible tells us that it is defined by saying to Jesus, I choose to follow you. So in the sense that it is defined, it's narrow, it's a narrow way. But if Cornelius shows us anything, he shows us that the narrow doorway to kingdom life is wider than any of us could even imagine. Romans chapter 10 verse 12. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if there's anyone here this morning who's not called on the name of the Lord, 
who maybe you're like this man, you know, Cornelius, who, you know, that you pray and you do good stuff. Maybe you've even seen an angel, but you've never walked through the doorway of saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. Then meet with me afterwards and I can lead you up to the doorway, but you have to walk through. Um, or if there's someone that you know who loves Jesus, ask them to show you how to walk, walk through the doorway. Even if you've been coming to Cornerstone for years and years and years, and now you're thinking, well, you know, do I really know him? Uh, don't, don't, don't leave this place or, or, you know, without walking through the doorway because it is incredible and everything changes when you walk through, when you walk through into kingdom life.